This is a production of the Z Talk Radio Network. The views expressed and opinions given by the individual hosts and their guests do not necessarily reflect those of Z Talk Radio, its affiliates, or sponsors. Wow. It's dark. Well, let's have some light on the subject. Put on your critical thinking caps and please refrain from hugging. It's time for Dimland Radio with your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Hello and welcome to Dimland Radio here on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I am your host, Jim Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Remember, I'm not really a doctor. I just play doctor online. Um, remember last week when I talked about, uh, I guess I should call them the I don't want to do that crowd. You know, all the ones with a uh, libertarian streak in them saying, you know, my rights are more important than your rights. Now, I'm sure it's not being very fair to libertarians, but, you know, that seems to be the, the attitude. My rights, my rights, my rights are more important than your rights. Remember how I talked about that? We were talking about uh, I was talking about how you know the the when when the pandemic was coming in, COVID's starting to spread, and the the CDC and the government, such you know local governments, because we weren't getting this kind of message from the top. Oh no, what we were being told from the top was, oh it's going to go away. It'll be a miracle. It's going to go away. Yeah, uh huh. So, but anyway, local governments were telling the people, look, you know, we want you, to, you should do this kind of stuff. You know, uh, uh, avoid crowds, uh, stay home, you know, that kind of stuff. And and each step along the line, the I don't want to do that people kept saying, I don't want to do that. And all the while, they wanted things to be normal. I want it to go back the way it was. We want to be normal. Well, they were told, if you want things to go back to being normal. You have to do these things. We need to do these things to get there. I don't want to do that. So that that you know that just would escalate along. You know, if we had to shut down, the government had to shut down businesses because, well, restaurants aren't a good idea right now because people gathered together in a place and they're breathing each other's air. Movie theaters, bars, these aren't good good ideas right now to have them because that's where people gather and they spread their their stuff. Kids are going to have to stay home from school. It's not a good idea right now. And all along the way, the I don't want to do that's where I don't want to do that. So then, you know, the masks thing. Remember the masks? At first, even Dr. Fauci was saying, well, you know, let's, they, 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 were, they didn't know that masks were going to be a good protection against giving this particular virus to other people or protection against getting it. They didn't know it at the time. And they also didn't want all the N95s to disappear. They wanted the healthcare industry to be able to get stocked up on the stuff that they needed. So at the beginning, they're saying, well, you know, maybe not masks so much. But it's, you know, at the beginning, wash your hands, do that kind of stuff. Well, then the CDC started learning more, as science does, learns more stuff, says, you know what, a simple cloth mask, a two-layer cloth mask will will work. There's some that have gone as far as going three layers, wearing two masks or something like that. Some have gone that far. I've gone with the two-layer mask. That's what I've gone with. And if you wear that, you will protect others, mostly, in case you've got something, and you might be able to protect yourself a little bit from getting something from someone else but mainly it's to protect others so they said if we wear the masks we can maybe start opening up some of these places because we'll have masks we might be able to start uh, you know not limiting everything and the i don't want to do that's all said i don't want to do that <laughs> yes okay we want it to be normal yeah again if you want things to be normal if you want things the way they used to be this is what you need to do I don't want to do that. And then the vaccines come rolling out. And and again, the I don't want to do that. They don't want to do that. Uh, some will say I'm not anti-vaccine. It's just, well, this is experimental. Well, we don't know. And it's like, yeah, well, we do know now. <laughs> we do know. <laughs> okay, yes, there was the J&J &J vaccine. Had to pause because they were finding that there was a, 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 a risk for blood clots 
for a certain demographic, women under age of 50, and from like 17 or so up to 50, that, that demographic. Maybe we, the, the, the CDC and the FDA, they were, they were assessing, do we not give that vaccine to those people in that demographic, or do we make sure that they know about the potential risk and know what signs to look for, what symptoms to look for, and what to do if they start showing those symptoms? They went with the latter, informed consent to let them know this is a risk. It's a very, very low risk, but this is a risk. These are the things to look for. You know, you can decide not to take this vaccine and then set up to take the one of the, the Pfizer or the Moderna. We're not seeing seeing this this blood clotting issue with them. You can do that, or you get this and just watch for those symptoms. And if you get those symptoms, this is what you need to do. Yeah, and that's that's what they opted for. And yeah, that may not have helped the people that were vaccine hesitant, and it doesn't do anything for anti-vaxxers because they're just going to be anti-vaxxers. But again, you still had that I don't want to do that crowd. I don't want to do that. Well, as I said last week, the the you know the CDC comes out and says in their naivete <laughs> that hey, fully vaccinated people, meaning you're two weeks out from your second dose or from your single dose, whichever vaccine you got, two weeks out from that, you're fully you're vaccinated, you can go maskless. You can go maskless and just about everywhere. There's going to be some businesses and some government places that might still require you to wear a mask regardless. But in most places, you can go without a mask. So as I said last week, the anti-vaxxers all said, yay, we can take off our masks. And I think that was a joke that... Uh, that uh, Seth Meyers made on his on his show. He made that, you know, so that's what they all said. Hey, oh, they all of a sudden start saying, we're fully, you know, we're fully vaccinated. How are they going to know? So this brings up the vaccine passport idea. Having to show, like, say you want to fly on a plane and you don't want to wear your mask. And the airline says, well, fine. Have you been vaccinated? Uh, yeah, yeah, I have. I've had all 12 doses. Is it 12 or no? Uh, I've, yes, I've been vaccinated. Sure. Yeah, that's it. Um, do you have proof that you've been vaccinated? Why should I show you proof? I don't want to do that. See, I don't want to do that. And the whole reason why, or at least a big reason why, the, the, some businesses such as airlines, would be saying, look, you got to show that you've been vaccinated, otherwise you have to wear the mask while you're on the plane. You have to do that. You have to do The reason why, or it's not the only reason, but it's one of the big reasons why, it's because of the, I don't want to do that. It's a huge percentage of people. It's, it's, it's probably what's going to prevent us from getting to herd immunity here in the United States because we have too many people saying, I don't want to do that. So the I don't want to do that are now upset about possibly having to have vaccine passports because I don't want to do that. You wouldn't, it's just like, if you just, just get, get with the program. <laughs> They're afraid that, you know, there's, there's, there's a vaccine uh, adverse effects reporting system. It's called VAERS. That's, that's what it stands for. And it's, anybody can call in and say, yeah, uh, my uncle died after getting the vaccine. Okay. And, and, and so there's something like, I think Tucker, the, the you know, the just asking questions, uh, you know, dog whistler, Carlson on Fox is, uh, you know, he's, he's talking about what, 4,000 people have died after getting the vaccine. Note exactly the wording there. You know, it, it, he's saying after getting the vaccine. It doesn't mean that the vaccine caused it, it just means it happened after getting the vaccine. It's the thinking of correlation means causation. Because X happened after Y happened, then Y caused X. Well, that's not necessarily true. So the CDC collects all these reports from on the various thing, and they start looking into it, and they're not finding things. I don't know if that's where they found the J and J, you know, the Johnson Johnson blood clot thing. I don't know if they found it from that, but what they're seeing, there's there's no significant, there's nothing, there's no, there's nothing showing that the vaccines are killing people. But. The I don't want to do that. The anti-vaxxers, they'll just they grab onto that. It's their excuse. You know, they're not telling you. Well, what what what, what makes you trust the source that you're using? 
are you because because you're 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 talking about the you're saying the things that you know Tucker Carlson is saying when he's just asking questions, which is just asking questions. Oy. You know, uh, it, skeptics have come to call it jacking off, J A Q, I N G, just asking questions, jacking off. That's all they're doing, because they're not. They're just asking questions, but that's all they're doing is asking questions. They're not listening to the answers. They don't want the answers. Tucker could get the answers to his questions if you would put the, bring on the the people, the experts, the people that know about it. He'd get the answers, but he doesn't want them. He just wants to ask the questions. So, I just think that that you know, it, it, it's not the only reason why we would have to be showing our vaccine card. But I think a lot of it is, is the fact that we have such a high level of people that aren't being vaccinated, that are deciding not to get vaccinated, but would lie about it. And I think the CDC was naive, but I think they were also hoping that saying, look, everybody, if you're fully vaccinated, you get to start doing this more normal stuff. So go get fully vaccinated. They didn't take into consideration that the that the anti-vaxxers or the I don't want to do that's people would just say, okay, I'm, I'm fully vaccinated. And that's why they don't like the idea of vaccine passports because, well, they have to be vaccinated and they don't want to do that. Um, the other day, uh, my wife and I were walking out of a uh, Walgreens and, um, as we were walking out, uh, uh, a woman and her uh, two teenage daughters, I'm assuming they were her daughters, I mean, the, the girls looked like the, the woman, you know, they, so, I mean, I'm assuming that uh, they were related in that way. And uh, they were getting out of the vehicle, and Amy and I are walking into the parking lot, kind of passing them, and I hear one of the, the teenage girls say to her mother, just wear your mask. And the mom says, I don't have to. And I, I couldn't help myself. As we walked past them, I shouted back, just wear your mask. I, maybe it wasn't my place. I don't know. I couldn't help it. So we get to the car, and I turn I turn and look, both Amy and I, we turn and look at uh, you know this, this, this group, this trio, as they were heading into Walgreens. And we see... Uh, the two teenage girls standing with their backs to the front, front entrance to the Walgreens, or the, the entrance to the Walgreens, standing with their backs to him, and their mother, you know, in, in front of their mother, blocking her path. The two girls are wearing their masks, and you can see there's a little bit of an animatedness to the girls talking to their mother. Just wear your mask. You're going to wear your mask. You're not vaccinated. I don't know exactly why they were insisting that she should wear a mask, because I'm assuming she wasn't fully vaccinated. So they were standing their ground. And their mother put her mask on. And the three of them went in. And, I, and Amy and I went, yes! Good for you. Good for you, girls. Good for you. You stood up to your mother. The children are our future. You can quote me on that. Uh... And I, I commented on that on, on the Facebook. And, you know, I got one of the I don't want to do that uh, in there saying, oh, welcome to the new normal. <laughs> you know, there are lots of new normals throughout the history of our country, throughout the history of, of humankind. There have been new normals all the time. When technology advances, there are new normals that follow. There are changes that follow. There are things that happen. In 1903... Missouri and Massachusetts were the first two states, I know Massachusetts is a commonwealth, but go with me here, the first two states to require a driver's license to drive a car in those states. And I'm sure there were people in Missouri, in Massachusetts, saying, well, it's just the new normal. I guess we got you know, what's government telling us? We got to get license to do this thing. It's, I got my rights. My rights. My rights are more important than other people's rights. 
Now, sure, I'm sure in this country of what, what is it now, 360 million people? I'm sure that there's a number of people in this country that never followed the rules as far as being uh, able to drive a car on the roads and streets and highways in the United States, meaning they have to take a written test. If they're a certain age, they have to take an actual test. You know, they have to take lessons. If they're under 18, they have to take lessons. Otherwise, they have to take a written test. Then they have to take a driving test to make sure that they can do it to get their driver's license. When they get their driver's license, if they want to go out and drive, they have to have car insurance. If, they're having a, if they own a vehicle, they have to you know, register the vehicle. They have to pay tax on it. And, and these are all new, these were all new normals at some point. And I think today that the vast majority of people who drive cars comply with all of it. They don't bat an eye. Oh, they might get upset about how much it costs to get a license or how much it costs for the insurance or how much it costs to, to, to register, you know, the taxes on your vehicle. They might get, they might grumble about and grouse about that, but they, but the majority of people are willing to go along with that, what became a new normal starting in 1903. So now it's just, yeah, this is what we do. Even though there might be some people that's got, you know, that skirt that law. Some people lose their license and they still drive anyway. There's, there's people that do that. Something like you know, 20% of all fatal, fat, uh, uh, car crash fatalities are, involve somebody that was an unlicensed driver. And it's usually somebody that's lost their license. Not that never had one. It's because they lost it. And usually due to alcohol. And qu quite often... Like 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 twenty eight percent of the time or something like that. I saw the number somewhere that uh, those were people that have had uh, you know violations, numerous violations, had their license revoked or not re or or suspended a few times, and you know that's that's you know what we have. But if we could get, I know it's not a perfectly analogous thing, but if we could get the kind of compliance numbers of Americans getting the vaccine, the COVID vaccine, as we have the compliance numbers of Americans who get their driver's license and follow the rules about driving a car to be able to drive a car around, uh, you know, we could get, we would hit herd immunity. I'm sure it's over 70%, 80%, dare I say 90%? I don't know exactly how high it goes, but we could do it if people would just get the vaccine as a matter of course. Yes. It's it's the new normal, and at some point it will become normal. It's you know, and I know the the libertarians, my rights are more important than your rights. People will say, well, you know, it's death by a thousand slices, and you uh, you know by a thousand cuts, and you just keep going, you keep allowing, and just a little less liberty, a little less liberty. Yes, you know what? We have a growing country of a world. We have technologies changing. We have things going on. You know, we all have to make adjustments. So, oh, and by the way, uh, my cousin, who had gotten the COVID, who was a Trumper, probably still is, was anti-mask, didn't want to, the one of the, I don't want to do that type. May have done it grudgingly, but I don't want to do that. He was one of those types. Um, he, he, his, he makes a living driving a truck. And you have to have an additional... Uh, rating on your driver's license to be able to drive a truck, like it's a semi, to be able to do that. You have so he's he's okay. He may again he might gross about how much it costs, but he's okay. And he realizes that's just part of the normal. This is what we have to do. Get vaxxed. As of today, and I have some good news. As of today, I am fully vaxxed. Absolutely. I'm going to take my first break, uh, and then I'll, I'll be back to say some more stuff. Uh, while I'm in the break, I enjoy the bumpers. They're all Pete Townsend bumpers this week because Pete Townsend turned 76 on uh, Wednesday. This past Wednesday, May 19th, he turned 76. Astrologers, put your charts away. Uh, and he still hasn't gotten old.
You're listening to Z-Talk Radio Network. Remember, there's no hugging in the chat room. You're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Hi, this is Pete Townsend of The Who. I just want to say that the United States Air Force is a great place to be, a great place to learn a space-age skill and serve your country too. The aerospace team, that's where all the breakthroughs are. See your United States Air Force recruiter. Find out how you too can fly the skies, reach for the moon, and touch the stars in the United States Air Force. If this station is not your cup of tea... Then drink coffee! 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 Drink coffee! 100% news. 100% information. 100% guarantee. Thought you might say that. (laughs) You're listening to Z Talk Radio Network. Radio. I'm your host, Jim Dector, Jim Fitzsimmons, and I'm doing an It's Not True. Uh, this is a this is a revisiting and It's Not True that I've done before. Uh, the notion that uh, way back in the way back times, or however far back that you want to go, uh, people life expectancy was only like 35 or 40, you know, and people don't understand that they they think it's it's the way they talk about it it sounds like i mean mr show even made a joke on one of their sketches uh saying you know for people of all ages even you know children and old men of of age of 35 old men of 35 this was a joke that they made like 35 was considered old in medieval times uh or in during the dark ages or whatever they were showing there in their skit no it wasn't Okay, and I'll, I'll lay out the groundwork here before I get into the specifics. It's life expectancy from birth. And what people aren't counting, you know, when they're living their lives and what they're not noticing, they're not noticing all the people that aren't there. They're not noticing all the babies that died. You know, because that's, see, when you, when you go farther back in time, infant mortality rate was a lot higher than it is now. So, life expectancy was lower because more people died, you know, either the stillbirths, but they died in childbirth, died, died shortly after childbirth, but if you survived childbirth, you could expect to live to be a certain age. If you got to five, you could expect to live older than that. If you got to 10, you could expect to live a little older than that. If you got to 15, you could expect to live older than that. And those older than that ages are like 60, 70, 80. Somebody walking around at age 35 or 42, I'm using 42 for a specific reason, when, oh, I don't know, let's say, uh, you know, uh, when the, uh, the Supreme Court of the United States was first being set up, somebody being 42 at that time was not considered old. They weren't being looked at saying, you know, wow, you're 42. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, any day now, right? Any day now, you're pretty up there. No, they had people that were older than that. No one thought 35 was old unless you were like 5 or 10 or something. <laughs> Nobody thought that was old. 
Man, I mean, teenagers, you know. Trust no one over 30. <laughs> trust no one under 30, I'm telling you. Anyway, <laughs> it, it, so why am I bringing this up? I was watching a, a bit of the uh, uh, Liberal Redneck, one of his uh, one of his short video pieces. It's uh, Trey Crowder. He's a, I guess he's a stand-up comic, but he's also, you know, he's, southern, he's a southerner southern, in the United States, southern United States, and, and he's very liberal. And I agree with a lot of stuff I hear him talk about, and I find his points well-delivered, and and funny and and pretty well thought out and all that and i agree more often than not as i'm pretty liberal myself so you know kind of see eye to eye and he was talking about the supreme court uh and i won't go you know he's talking about how um uh what is it is it I can't remember which state it is. One of the states, uh, uh, a case, the Supreme Court is going to hear this case and it might affect Roe v. Wade, the, 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 the Supreme Court decision that made abortion legal here in the United States. So it might affect that. All right, so he talks about how that goes. And one of the things he says in there is that when, you know, back when the Supreme Court, you know, was set up and they were being appointed, they didn't expect anybody, you know, that was in the days when they didn't expect people to live past 42. You know, a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court. They thought, well, they, you know, they're going to only live to be 42. No, they didn't. <laughs> so I decided to do a little impromptu study, if that's what you can call this. George Washington the first president of the United States, he got to appoint all the federal judges through the country, like 39 of them, I think there were. He got to appoint all of the Supreme Court justices. I think he appointed 10 in total throughout his uh, presidency. Uh, he, he got to do that. I mean, can you imagine? Because <laughs> there weren't any, and he got to appoint them. Because... You know, he was the first president of the United States under the United States Constitution. There were presidents earlier, but they were more like uh, presidents of Congress, not necessarily presidents of the United States, because the United States wasn't quite an official thing yet. So, but when it became an official thing, George Washington was the first one. Yeah, that's a not a real detailed thing, but okay. So let's let's examine the ten. Supreme Court justices that George Washington appointed during his tenure as president. We're going to start with John Jay. He was the first uh, uh, Chief Justice, I believe. Um, he was 43 when he was appointed Supreme Court Justice. And he was appointed, I think, in 1789... And he's, he remained on the on the court until 1795, when he resigned and went and did something else. He died at age 83. And we have uh, James Wilson. Now, James Wilson was 47 when he was appointed to the court, uh, but he died at age 55. We have uh, William Cushing, who was 57 when he was appointed to the court. He died at age 78. There was John Rutledge, who was 50. Now, he resigned after one year or so being on the court so he could become uh, go on to the South Carolina Supreme Court. He went on that. But in, in 1795, when John Jay resigned, uh, Washington again appointed uh, uh, Rutledge to the Supreme Court. And I think at that point he took over as, as uh, Chief Justice. He died at age 60. There was uh, James Iredell. Now here we are. He was 38 when he was appointed to the court. He was under the age of 42. That's the age that Trey Crowder said in his offhand remark that people, you know, died at age 42. So a lifetime appointment wasn't figuring it would last that long. Well, he was 38. Uh, he died at 48. Uh, so he died young. Um, then there was Thomas Johnson. He was 59 when he was appointed to the court. He served 163 days before he resigned to go do something else. 
his his tenure as Supreme Court Justice was the shortest uh, so far, and I think is the shortest in the history of the Supreme Court. He died at age 86. Then we have uh, William Patterson, who was 47 when he was appointed. He died at age 60. You have John Blair Jr., who was 57 when he was appointed. He died at age 68. You have Samuel Chase, who was 54, died at age 70. William Chase, interestingly enough, was the only Supreme Court justice to have been impeached. Uh, he was impeached in 1805. He was acquitted, and then he served until 18. Uh, 1811, I think, was when he died. I think that's when he died. But he was age 70 when he died. And then there was Oliver Ellsworth, who was appointed at age 50 and died at age 62. So the youngest death on here is 48. The youngest death. I uh, don't know how it was he died. I think it was an illness. Uh, but you have an 86-year-old. You have an 83-year-old on there, a 78-year-old. Now, whether they were on the court until that age, you know, not, not each, you know, the 83-year-old one resigned and the 86-year-old one resigned, but you've got a 70-year-old, a 78, you've got 60-year-old, 62. People weren't dying at 42, and they weren't considered old at age 42. They were considered old when they got to 60. So, again, it's this idea that that life expectancy meant that the, everybody was looking at the 35-year-olds as being, oh, you're almost in the grave. Or you know, maybe life expectancy was 30 for you know, at, at whatever time it was, and they were saying, well, you know, carousel's coming up for you this year, ain't it? When, some, when their friend turned 30. It's just, you know, it's just not true. I've gone through one of them. Why not go to one of these? And now it's time for a Dimland Radio pedantic moment. Yeah, this ought to be good. Well, this will be different. This is a this is this will be a, a different sort of pedantic moment. Maybe one that has a little bit of a twist to it. Hmm. We'll see. The other day. I went to McDonald's. There's a McDonald's restaurant that uh, is near where my office is for my work. And usually once a week, usually on Wednesdays, I go on over to the McDonald's, pick up something, bring it back to the office, and have something to eat. And this particular McDonald's recently reconfigured their parking lot. So as you enter, you can head straight in and find a place to park. Uh, you can go straight in, or you can, or you can go a little bit to the right, or to the left, I should say, a little bit to the left, and there's another lane of places to park. And you'll be right alongside the store. All right, so there's two parking lights. Now, as you come in, to the left, painted on the pavement, it says drive-through with a big arrow pointing to a lane that runs that goes around the perimeter of the parking lot, comes around the top of the parking lot to the menu boards. There are two menu boards that you can pull up to to order. The two order stations. There's the inside one and the outside one. Now, they're both outside, but I mean, you know, inside close to the store and the outside one, which is farther from the store. So you're supposed to drive in, if you go to the drive up, Go to the left and bypass, go around the parking lot because McDonald's doesn't want you driving through their parking lot to get to the drive-up, which is what used to be there. It is, it is more controlled so you do that. But the only thing is you can just drive straight through the parking lot to get to the, you know, and, and, and to get to the lanes that you need to get into to go to the, men, to the menu boards. You can do it. And boy, I watch people do it all the time. It's like, God damn it, there's a drive-up lane, use a drive-up lane. That's my pedantic nature. You know. There's a drive-up lane, use the drive-up lane. 
But this particular day, of course I use it because, you know, it's the rules. You know, the other people are the, I don't want to do that. Or they're just not paying attention. Or they're illiterate. They can't read that it says drive through and the arrow is pointing, go through this lane. So I make this, I, go, I, I turn in, I, I head over to McDonald's, I turn in, I get into the drive up lane, I'm going through the drive up lane, and as I'm going through the drive up lane, I can see that, uh, that a person has followed me, has come in after me, and is going straight through. They're not using the drive up lane. They're going straight through. So as I come around the drive up lane, as I come around and start aiming toward the drive up menus, this person nearly cuts me off. Or it cuts me off, nearly hits me. Cuts me off. And I hit the horn and I yell out, There's an effing drive up lane! <laughs> and so that person gets in front of me. They didn't get real close to hit me. I was hitting the horn though, because like, damn it, I follow the rules. Why don't you? They got into the first lane, the inside menu board, the one closer to the store. So I had to go to the outside menu board. Fine. So there I am. There's, it's, it's, it's close to the lunch rush. Uh, so there's a few cars, and I'm waiting behind a, a car to, or two to, to advance in the line. Once just put, you know, One is waiting to advance into the line. The one behind him is just finishing up placing their order, and I'm behind them. And so I'm waiting, and as the line starts to progress, and I get I get up to the menu board, and I'm able to place my order, and I'm noticing that the van that was at the menu board, as the the person who cut me off pulled in in front of me to the inside board, is still there. They're ordering for the entire office. Or yeah, yeah, they got a big ass order. So I look over and I start saying, uh huh, uh huh, okay, okay, come on, line, come on, line, move, 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 let's go, let's go, let's let me get ahead, let me get ahead of this van. If I get ahead of this van, it'll be awesome. So I start to, you know, let me get ahead of this van, and I did. I ended up in head of the van, and we pull up, and I'm just having a nice chuckle to myself, a nice chuckle because the person who cut me off got stuck behind the slow order. And I got my food before them and was heading back to the office, still chuckling. But then, and this is where the pedantic moment comes in, I realized if this person had followed the rules the way I did, was pedantic and followed the rules the way I did, I would have ended up behind that van ordering for the office. Thanks, lady. <laughs> It's just like, eh, you know. Okay, uh, what have I got? What am I time? I went to my, did I do my first break, second break? Is my time for, what? where the hell am I? Ah, I'm at my second break. Oh, what do you know? More Pete Townsend bumpers for you. Let's, uh, let's uh, get to break number two. Let's get it set up. You're listening to Dimland Radio on the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I am your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. I shall return. Hey, this is Danny Potts from the Kentucky Ghost Chasers, and you're listening to Z-Talk Radio. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you think Bigfoot is real? Do you suspect that your neighbor is really Val Tor, leader of the lizard people of Bendar 3? Well, Dr. Dim doesn't, and he'll tell you why when you tune in to Dimland Radio Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, on Z-Talk Radio Network. It's an hour of science promotion, pop culture rants, personal observation, and, of course, skepticism. Join Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons, Saturday nights, 11 Central, midnight Eastern, for Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. He's endlessly pushing the rock of reason up the hill of paranormal. It's Dr. Dim, and you're listening to Dimland Radio on Z-Talk Radio Network. Z-Talk Radio is committed to bringing you the best radio possible. 
We will test your senses with innovative and entertaining radio programming. Honest, informative, inspirational, and on occasion, controversial. Our listening audience will also have the opportunity to interact with the show hosts and guests through live chat and call-in capabilities. You can't be left out of the loop. Tune into all our live shows once, and you'll never turn your computer off again. Z-Talk Radio on your computer dial. Your healthy addiction. Dimland Radio here in the ZTalk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Dim Fitzsimmons. Oh, wasn't that a wonderful Pete Townsend song? Face Dances Part 2, off of his album, All the Best Cowboys Have Chinese Eyes. I believe that was released in 1982. I think it was 82. Uh, okay, let's, let's do some good old-fashioned Bigfoot skepticism, except it's not about Bigfoot, it's about UFOs or UAPs, as they're being rebranded. I bring this up because uh, 60 Minutes, the legendary, long-running, highly respected television news magazine, the weekly show of 60 Minutes here in the United States, uh, had a show, had, had had a story on there about UAPs. I hope I didn't pop the microphone there. UAPs. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it was uh, the 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 reporter was Bill Whitaker, who's a respected reporter. But and, and, and but it was it was hardly a balanced report. Now I will give it some uh, when before I watched it. Which I watched it this uh, this afternoon. Before I watched the report, I was thinking it was going to be one of these, you know, fairly credulous, suggesting that, you know, space aliens are invading our airspace, and uh, you know this is, and and they showed some, you know, the 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 thumbnail image for the YouTube. Uh, video of it, which I will put uh, on the show notes page. You just get there by going to dimland.com, click on the show notes slash blog option, and you will get to these show notes and you will uh, find the links to some of the stuff that I'm talking about. And I, um, I, the, the still image shows one of these screenshots of a UFO being seen in infrared or something like that. And it's a familiar image because this is not new. These, these videos have been out for a while. And they've been explained pretty well. By last week's Dimland Radio Science Hero, Mick West. Talked about Mick West. Yeah, I talked about I talked about him mainly in the context of that photograph of the Bidens and the Clintons, or not the Clintons, the Carters, and how that looks so strange. And he explained it. This is why it looks so strange. Sure, people shrink as they get older, but the reason why Joe Biden and 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 Jill Biden look so big is because of the wide-angle lens. They're just closer to the to the camera. That tends to magnify. Uh, the objects that are closer to the camera. So, and it, it's just as simple as that. And he's demonstrated. Great. But I think I mentioned also that he he'd done some explanations of some of these military videos of UFOs or UAPs. Now, UFO stands for Unidentified Flying Object. UAP, UAP stands for Unidentified Aerial Phenomenon. Is that right? I think that's right. Aerial. 
damn it, I should have written it down. <laughs> I'll find what it is and I'll put it into the show notes if I'm if I'm wrong here. But a UAP, um, it, you know, it's it's, it's a more uh, it, it's tried. I guess it's a term that's trying to move away from the idea of space aliens, because that's what UFO means now. It's just that's that's what somebody says UFO. The assumption is space aliens or interdimensional travelers or maybe you know a super secret experimental aircraft which probably has the best you know it's, it's the most likely to be true than the other ones because i mean how did the space aliens know we're here how do they know anyway and so that's i got the impression that it was going to be uh, a, a bit more of the space alien thing, and they, and they to to sixty minutes credit, they did they didn't quite go that th- there. They they glanced at it, but they didn't quite go there. Uh, and then uh, I and at first before I watched the piece, I read a, an article written for Skeptic uh, magazine for their online uh, uh, website, uh, their online magazine part. Uh, by none other than last week's Dimland Radio Science Hero, Mick West. He'd already done a lot of the legwork on this stuff. They were showing the videos of stuff that he's explained. He's explained that this is what we're probably seeing here. Is he 100% that that's what we're seeing? No, but it seems that this is the most likely explanation for what we're seeing. Okay? So, um... I wanted uh, uh, well. There's a fellow on there uh, that they, that the main guy that they talked to, Luis uh, Elizondo. Uh, some guy that was in the military. Some guy that was in you know investigating this kind of stuff. And he's he's the one that's he's saying stuff like uh, he claims that these objects are, have they pull 600 to 700 G's. Uh, they fly at 13,000 miles per hour. They evade radar. Uh, they through the air and water and possibly space, uh, and there's no propulsion systems that are visible, no wings, no control surfaces. Uh, they can defy the natural effects of Earth's gravity. You know, there is something that I would venture to guess that that this could be. Because they they think it's this has got to be now again they didn't say it was space aliens but they they did the, the strong suggestion was maybe it's other countries with super secret technology which of course came from space aliens or it's U- United States technology you know super secret technology which again of course came from, came from space aliens they don't say that part on the show so what they the government is getting involved in this again because they want to protect our airspace which makes sense. Because they want to know what's up there. What if it is something being shown here? But what could possibly fit all of those little bits there that Elizondo was suggesting? This is what we're seeing. What could possibly be? It could possibly be. Well, I can think of one thing. It can possibly be human error. Not understanding what they're seeing. I'm going to read a little bit, just a few paragraphs from uh, Mick West's article, which I'll link to on the show notes page. You can read the whole thing. But this is his, you know, he, he is talking about the particular bits of video evidence, uh, some of the claims that are in here. Uh, he's he, reading from his article. First, we see Go Fast, a video presented as showing an incredibly fast craft skimming low over the ocean but if you do the very simple uh, trigonometry invited by the numbers on the screen when you look at the screen you can see all this information you know this is from the military video that they're doing you can see all these numbers and some some abbreviations and words and stuff that going on there apparently this this all means something and mick west knows what the stuff means so he takes those numbers and he does what he calls some simple trigonometry for me <laughs> that ain't simple but anyway it's a simple trigonometry back to the article invited by the numbers on the screen it turns out to be something far 
above the surface and moving at a speed that matches the wind speed at that altitude, making it almost certainly just a balloon. Yet the 60 Minutes host, the highly respected journalist Bill Whitaker, repeats Elizondo's baseless claim that it's fast moving. Next we see a more recent video, the green flashing triangle. I talked about this last week uh, when talking about McWest. Back to his article. Initially, very impressive. It shows a triangular-shaped object moving across the sky, filmed with a night vision device from a Navy ship. But then you notice the flashing light that, as I demonstrated in a video posted at Metabunk, that's uh, McQuest's, you know, skeptical website. Uh, it the the uh, back to his article. Uh, perfectly matches the pattern of blinking lights on a commercial plane like a Boeing 737. A little research reveals that some night vision devices have a triangular, triangular aperture. When this device is slightly out of focus, when a plane is flying overhead, it looks exactly like this flying triangle. The case was effectively closed when other triangles in the scene were identified as stars. Yet we are told the Pentagon admits it doesn't know what in the world it is. It's pretty obvious once it, it was, let's see, it's pretty obvious what it is once you match the UAP blinking triangle to that of commercial airliners. In fact, the only thing the Pentagon admitted to is that the videos are real in that they were taken by U U.S. Naval personnel and not, therefore, fake CGI-generated videos or whatever, and, at, and that they were included in studies by the UAP task force, meaning they were at least unidentified at one point. We are then shown two other videos. FLIR-1 is claimed to show physics-defying acceleration, but careful study has shown that the supposed sudden movements are actually the result of the camera moving or changing mode. Gimbal uh, shows an impressive looking flying saucer, but again the reality seems more mundane. An infrared glare of a distant plane and a rotating gimbal mechanism explain both the rotating saucer shape and why it was named Gimbal in the first place. Later, we hear about the 2004 USS Nimitz aircraft carrier incident, which gave us the FLIR-1 video. Two pilots, David uh, Fravor and uh, uh, Alex Dietrich, repeat the story they have been telling for over a decade. Lauded as the greatest UFO encounter of all time, it has remarkably little in terms of actual evidence. One blurry video has been consistently misinterpreted, including by uh, Fravor, God damn, I wish I knew how to pronounce his name, sorry, uh, as showing rapid motion. There are accounts of unusual radar returns showing rapid motion, but unfortunately there's no solid evidence for these, and the account has changed somewhat since it first appeared in a bizarre short science fiction story written by the chief radar operator in 2008. Dietrich and Fravor <laughs> describe an encounter and a short dogfight. It wasn't actually a dogfight, but a you know, short dogfight with a tic-tac-shaped aircraft. Uh, this is perhaps the most compelling story, and one that's difficult to explain. But their accounts don't exactly line up, and I suspect that they saw the same thing, but both had different illusions of motion based on parallax. Unfortunately, the passage of time might mean we will never know what they saw. And that's that's from his from his article, his reaction to watching the sixty minutes piece. Uh, it, it's you know in that that Nimitz one two thousand four. I mean that's sixteen year or seventeen year old memories. You know memories change, and he even suggests Mick West even suggests in here that the story has changed in, in over time. Uh, Dietrich, the other pilot, she wasn't one that would talk about this stuff all that much, but she started to become come out a little more in, in recent years and talk about it. 
and they were worried about and, and okay now this this bit was not in the main report that was on 60 minutes on that Sunday when I think it was last Sunday but they have like an extras bit where they will have like a little bit more information which you can get to online and I'll link to both of these. And in that, they talk about, these two pilots are talking about, well, they were worried that, you know, people would think it was a little green man or, you know, space aliens type stuff like that. Uh, yeah, so they did, and they were ridiculed by their peers about, you know, seeing UFO cartoons were drawn and little jokes were made and all that kind of stuff. But it's, I, I, I'm tempted to make 60 Minutes and Bill Whitaker, Dimland Radio Science, zeros. Because the report did not have Mick West. Did not have somebody on there to say, well, here's what these things are more likely to be. And explain it right there. Okay? What happened with Nimitz, that's harder to explain. It was farther away. There's pretty much just anecdotes in one fuzzy video. It doesn't really, doesn't really help. You know, there's claims that there was UFO or radar confirmation. There are claims of these great feats, but there's really no evidence for them. And the thing that I worry about, which is kind of why I want to sort of put the 60 Minutes and Bill Willicker into this Jim Land Radio Science Zeros, is because the viewer, the average viewer, is probably going to come away thinking, see, there's something out there. Because they do suggest that in the report. I mean, they get close to it by saying, oh, where is it? Um, that, uh, that the pilots think that it's uh, it could be secret U.S. technology, you know, that we don't know about, or it's secret uh, technology from some other country that we don't, don't know about, or, and this, and this is a quote, something otherworldly suggesting that it's from outer space. Space aliens. Uh, in the uh, in, uh, the online piece that they did, the extra piece where you got a little more of the story about the Nimitz thing, uh, there's a seemingly out of this world comment made by I think it was Whitaker made that comment. So it could be that there's Dimland Radio Science zeros. <laughs> Uh, I would have liked to have seen them have Mick West or somebody like him saying, "Well, okay, here's probably what you're seeing here, and here's, you know, it's no, it's it's it's, you know, these pilots aren't trained to recognize stuff in this in the sky. They're not, you know, other aircraft, the pattern, what they look like, sure, but you know, this whole thing is well, they're trained observers, like police seeing stuff or uh, you know, pilots seeing stuff." Yeah, they don't really know what's going on. You know, I think I don't. I don't have this as an exact, but you know which group of people, what demographic of people, are probably the the least likely to see a UFO or report seeing a UFO because, well, you know which group that might be. Uh, that might be uh, astronomers because, well, they know what they're looking at. Good night. Uh, Good night, Frau Okay, that's the end of another show. I get to put the ceiling fan back on because it's freaking humid in here. The ACs are going in tomorrow. Hopefully they work. Uh, <laughs> be skeptical. Extraordinary claims require extraordinary evidence. Wash your hands. Keep your distance. Wear your mask if you should still wear your mask. Where you should wear it. Get vaccinated. If you're fully vaccinated, hey, things might be looking up. Let's hope. You've been listening to Dimland Radio on the Z-Talk Radio Network at ztalkradio.com. And I'm your host, Jim, Dr. Jim, for some of this you Sleep with the lights off. You can check out my show notes at dimland.com. Just click on the blog option. And you can email your questions and comments to drdim at dimland.com. That's D-R-D-I-M at dimland.com. And the opening theme song, Ram, is by Theolius and is used with permission.
This has been a production of the Z-Talk Radio Network. And now, a message to our competitors. Thanks. Thanks for tuning us in. What did you think of tonight's installment of Dimland Radio? Wow. Wow. Well, I'm going to hell. hell.